Welcome to Waymaker Church Podcast. The heart of the house is that these messages would help you to encounter, live for, and advance the kingdom of God. Enjoy this week's message. So go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 4. And uh, hold your place there. Uh, we're in uh, just in a series on the parables of Jesus. And uh, so far uh, in this particular uh, series, we've looked at the purpose of parables, why Jesus used them. Uh, again, part of it was a fulfillment of uh, a biblical prophecy that seeing that they would not see, hearing they would not hear uh, because they had such hard hearts in the Old Testament uh, towards the word of the Lord. Um, and then also it was just simply to reveal kingdom principles and truths uh, so that we can learn to live by them. Uh, we've looked at the parable of the sower, the parable of the wheat and tares, and the parable of the two sons. And, uh, and so, so far in the series, Jesus used analogies, figurative language, and imagery to convey kingdom truths and principles. And a few of those things are, uh, and I'm just going to give you kind of the highlight bullet points, is that the condition of the heart matters. Now, if you weren't here for, for the, uh, the parable of the sower, uh, again, he actually says in, in the book of Mark, he says, if you don't get this, uh, this, this parable, if you don't understand this one, how are you going to understand the rest? And so what he is saying is, is that the primary issue for us in being able to receive the kingdom of God and the word of God deals with the condition of our hearts and its ability to have the word of God, which is the seed sown in our hearts so that it can produce a harvest. And, uh, and so the condition of the heart matters because hard hearts cannot receive the kingdom of God. What's intriguing about that parable, again, is that three of the four soil types didn't produce anything. And so it shows that, uh, that, that the hard ground, immediately the word was taken. The stony ground, uh, it says that immediately it sprang up with gladness. It said, but when persecution and affliction arises for the word's sake, it says that that person falls away. The third soil was the, was the thorny ground, and that says that because of the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, it enters in and it chokes out the word. So basically, we can potentially allow life to crowd out what Jesus wants to do. And the fourth one was the good soil. It was ready to receive, and it produces a harvest, some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. So the condition of the heart matters. The, the second important truth is that kingdom seed, which is the word, carries with it the divine power to save your soul and to produce great spiritual fruit. And, and here's something I think is, is very, very important to understand. As a believer, Jesus expects your life to produce kingdom fruit. Jesus expects your life and my life to produce kingdom fruit. He doesn't simply expect for you to go to church. Uh, I've, I've been in a few places where there can be people who serve Jesus for decades and you're, are, are yet so, they're still immature in Christ. They can say yes to Jesus, but they don't necessarily live for him. Amen? And that's why it's important for us as a kingdom people to be able to recognize that it's not about praying a prayer to get to heaven. That's the American gospel. It's the, it's the get out of hell free card, right? Where we, we pray a prayer to get to heaven. It's not about that. The kingdom of God is about us submitting to his rule and reign and having transformation in our life as a result where the old person dies and the new man comes. Amen? And, uh, and so we want to learn to live that way. And Jesus expects us to carry that kind of fruit in our lives. We are supposed to produce kingdom fruit, not just to go to church and, and go through the motions or sing the songs or, or things like that. But he expects us to be in his word and allow his word to get into our heart. And as the word gets into our heart, it should change us from the inside out. Uh, I talked a couple weeks ago that it's very interesting to see that when you look in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21, it talks about the works of the flesh. 
Those are something you have to work at, right? But the thing is, is when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, it's, it didn't say the works of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit. So when we are found in him, when we are connected, it's John 15. If we are connected to the vine, the vine, the, the, the vine itself is what's actually going to cause the fruit to come out in it. It's the health of the vine. We're simply the branches. And so the health of what flows from the vine is going to produce a spiritual fruit in our lives. And it's not something that you're necessarily going to have to strive for. It's just something that is a natural outflowing of your relationship with Jesus. Amen. Does that make sense this morning? I didn't have that in my notes. I was just kind of shooting from the hip on that. But I think it's important for us to understand this because the Christian life is not about you working to be good enough. The Christian life is about submission to the king and his kingdom. And as I submit, my life begins to change and there is an outward fruit that comes in my life as a result of that inward change of being with him. Amen? Amen. And so it's very, very important because Jesus expects fruit in our lives. If you actually read through those things and in any of the times that he comes up and he sees something without fruit, do you know what he says to do? He says, cut it down, prune it off. And so his goal is he, he always expects fruit. And here's the thing is he also expects fruit in every season. If you go back and read in the Gospels uh, about, the, about the fig tree, he actually walks up to one. And what's intriguing to me is the scripture actually tells us that it actually says that, that, that it wasn't even the time or the season for figs. And yet because it didn't have fruit and he was hungry, he cursed the tree and it, died up, it, it dried up from the roots the next day within 24 hours. And of course, all of his disciples are like, what is going on? Like, do you see the tree? <laughs> You're like, did you curse that thing yesterday? And it's already dead. And, uh, and, of course, he launches into the kingdom. But it's interesting to me because he is the only person who has the right to expect fruit in every season of our lives. Amen? And what I love is if we stay connected to the vine, we can produce fruit in every season. What I love is that Isaiah, they were in the midst of a drought, and he produced a hundredfold return on his harvest. Everybody else's crops were failing, but because his crops were blessed by God, he reaped a hundredfold that same year. See, God economics looks different than what you and I expect. If it's based on our works, we're always going to fail. If it's based on his faithfulness, we're always going to run over. Amen? Amen. So seed has to be sown first in us. That's another one of the big things. Seed has to first be sown in us. Then we are to be sown into the world. So again, I talked about that last week, that how important it is that the seed of God's word has to first be planted in us. But then as we looked at other parables, it actually showed in the parable of the wheat and tares that the sons of God are sown into the world to bring a revelation of God. And so the, the reality of bearing fruit in our lives is you have to realize when you're a kingdom person, when you are connected to the vine, you're in the word, and it begins to change you from the inside out. The fruit that is in your life is now intended to be shared in the world so that others can taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? And, and so this is the cool part is, is not only do they hear the gospel, but they actually get to see the gospel lived out in you. And it doesn't mean that you have to like look like extra spiritual or something. I mean, it's not like you're walking in Walmart and you're just like, Shabbatay. like you're not, you don't have to do that because that's kind of weird. Now, if the Lord moves on you and you did that, we'd just be like, cool. But the thing is, is you can be a normal person going about your everyday life and yet lead people into an encounter with Jesus. You can show up in the, in the office in the morning and, and just simply have a good attitude and maybe somebody's going through something and you pray for them or lay hands on them and that's a revelation of the goodness of God. They see your character and your attitude and your consistency and in all of those things, they see a revelation of the goodness of God. Why? Because maybe everybody else around them is not faithful. 
Everybody else around them is cheating or stealing or or stealing time from the company, and you show up on time. You do what you say you're going to do. You're a person of your word, and they're now seeing the difference and the contrast between a kingdom person and somebody that lives like the world. And so what's beautiful in that is you just simply go about your life living out the principles of the kingdom of God, and you can actually declare the faithfulness and the goodness of God in it. So the, the seed of God's word has to be sown into us, and then we're to be sown into the world. Another thing that we looked at is that pride leads to destruction and that kingdom people are a people of humility. Pride leads to destruction. Kingdom people are filled with humility. That was the parable of the wheat and the tares. What was interesting about it, probably one of my favorite things from the message personally, is that the wheat and the tares look the same while they're growing. The difference is seen in the time of the harvest because the grain, uh, the head's full of grain and the wheat, because of that weight, they bow down while the tares stand straight up. And so it's easy to know which ones to gather and to throw into the fire versus, the, versus the, the, the wheat because one is bowed down and the other one is standing erect. And the, and the whole purpose of that, I believe, in the picture that he gives for us is that the proud person ultimately is going to come to destruction. The Lord actually tells us that he resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Grace is not something you do before you eat. Grace is, is a divine enablement for God to help you to do what you can't do on your own. Amen? And so God wants to empower you to be able to live it out. So kingdom people are filled with humility, and ultimately we're to do the work of the kingdom. And so we have to understand, uh, we've gained the understanding that the seed has the divine power, uh, and good soil can produce fruit. But what I want to talk about with this morning is how does the seed grow? Has anybody ever wondered that before? How does the seed grow, right? So we talk about being a kingdom person, to have kingdom revelation, right? To, to, live, uh, to live in such a way where we're revealing the nature of the kingdom of heaven. How do we actually do that? Because so often in our society today, uh, it's such a works society. How do I do this? How do I make something happen? And the reality of it is, and we're going to look in the book of uh, Mark chapter 4, there's two parables that are there. The first is the parable of the growing seed. The second is the parable of the mustard seed. And we're going to break those down. But uh, we're going to find out in this particular parable uh, that it's God that does the growing. So go ahead and look at the book of Mark chapter 4. Both of these are very short. Uh, starting in the 26th verse. If you don't have a Bible, look under the chair in front of you. There's one there for you. If you don't own it, take it with you. It's yours. We want to sow the word into your life. If you have one, leave it there after service, please. But uh, it says this in in Mark chapter 4, verse 26. And he said, the kingdom of God, this is Jesus speaking, is if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow, he himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, and after, the, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Okay? So we see that particular part there. Now let's look at Mark chapter, 30, uh, chapter 4, verse 30 through 32. It says this in the parable of the mustard seed. It says, then he said, so he continues what he's speaking. He says, to what shall we like in the kingdom of God, or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground is smaller than all the seeds on the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. So we're going to look at these two parables today and we're going to understand uh, first that how does the seed grow, right? So we understand that the seed is to be sown in us, that we are to be sown in the world. But at the end of the day, how does the seed actually grow? And now when I talk about that, how is it that we actually mature in the Lord? 
So we think about the picture of growing seed. When we think about something being fruitful, plants that are planted initially, a fruit tree, when it's a, when it's a, a small little tree, is not typically going to produce fruit right away. There is a time and a season that it has to grow, mature, the roots have to go down and be established, and eventually, after a period of time, it begins to bear fruit that can, that can be consumed. And the longer that it's planted and the healthier that it is, the more fruit that it'll produce, right? And so when we're thinking about this process of growing seed uh, in our life, we have to realize that, that there is time and, and season in all of these things. And so let's just simply break these down like we have the last couple weeks uh, to look at the illustrations that Jesus used. So in the parable of the growing seed, right, we understand that he is revealing a principle of the kingdom of God. Once again, there is a, one, a man who is scattering seed on the ground. I find it interesting that the first three parables uh, that Jesus shares, every one of them talks about seed. And so again, he talks about the condition of the heart. He says, if you don't understand this one, you're not going to get the rest. And so we realize that everything starts with seed. In the kingdom of God. Everybody say that. Everything starts with seed. All right. Everything starts with seed. Right? So there was a man who was scattering seed on the ground. This is an important part here. The man sleeps by night and rises by day. The seed sprouts and grows. The man does not know how. The earth yield, uh, yields the crops in progression. And at the time of harvest, the man puts in the sickle. So uh, there's some basics of that. Now, I want to look at this in the explanation here in a moment. We're going to look at the application. Here's the thing about the, the, this particular parable. In the kingdom of God, believers and ministers, and I want you to hear that. I said believers and ministers. Everybody say believers. believers. That's me. <laughs> so believers, that's me. that's me, right? So believers and ministers sow the seed of the gospel. And, uh, and so the, of, of the kingdom. And so the sower does not know how the seed grows. I think it's important for us to understand that. So the process itself, how is it that somebody's life matures? The reality of what the scripture is telling us is that we don't know. The working of the Holy Spirit, I believe, is so personal and individual to every single one of our lives. And the reason for that is, is we're not all the same person. We have not all had the same experiences. Now we, now we understand that there are similarities in the sense that all need to be saved. We need to be born again. We need to be filled with the Spirit of God. But the maturing process in your life, although there may be similarities with the person next to you, the reality is, is the Holy Spirit has an individual work that he needs to do in you. I, as a pastor, cannot change you. I can preach truth to you. I can try to model for you with my own life what it looks like to serve Jesus faithfully. But what I have learned is I, none of us, our pastoral team, our leaders, we cannot change you. That is a ministry and a work of the Holy Spirit that is empowered through the word of God, where he takes the word, applies it to your life in your situation, and he causes you to mature and to grow. But the reality of it is, is we don't know how he does it. He just does it. Amen? Amen. So the, the thing in this is, is the, the sower does, uh, does not know how the seed grows, but Christ does. Right? And this is what I love, is that the man in the normal routine of life, right? he cast the seed on the ground, he did his part to sow. Really, after that, he can do nothing more in the sense of, of, of the application of that seed producing something. That's not his responsibility. Our responsibility in life is to sow the seed. Our responsibility in life is to go about our daily business. He talks about uh, the fact that, that, that he rests at night. If you're not sleeping at night because you're trying to figure out how to do it, stop it. It says he gives his beloved rest. He gives his beloved sleep. If you're up at night worrying, stop it. 
Go to bed. Because your worry can't change anything. And so I love this because in the day-to-days, just the, the normal things of life, he literally just says, look, the man can do nothing to grow the seed. There's a normal routine in his life. He casts the seed on the ground. He can't make that seed grow. He can water it, but he can't make the seed grow. That's something that is a work of God, and he can do nothing more. So because of that, he rests in the night. It says, and he rises and works in the day. Right, so we see the rhythm of our life. Listen, at the end of the day, go home, rest, get up in the morning, be faithful to serve Jesus, get into the word, water the things that are planted in your heart with worship, water them with prayer, thank God, have a heart of gratitude. And all the while, those roots are just getting deeper, and we don't even know how, it just does. And eventually what happens is, is and this is what happens during that process, is we're having to trust the potential life that is in the seed to germinate. We understand that when we sow seed into the ground, we're not trying to make it grow. We're actually having to trust that what God has placed on the inside of that seed is enough. And I believe that we have a church today that is so busy trying to do it for God instead of just trusting God. We're trying to make the miracle come to pass. Stop. We're trying to to, to make the changes in our life through our works. Just stop. Listen, seek the king and his kingdom. Get the word in your heart, and that word will change you from the inside out. Amen? Amen? And it's not about your striving. It's not about how much you can do. It's about how great he is and what he has already done. Amen? Amen. And so, listen, the reality of trusting the life in the seed is that God is the one who would have to cause it to rain. God is the one that would have to bring the dew. God is the one that has to cause the sun to rise and the nature that is in the seed to cause it to grow. It's only the Lord. So the sower did what was possible. And I think this is what's important about today's message. The sower did what was possible. They sowed the seed. But it was the Lord who did the impossible. The sower sows the seed. But it's God who does the impossible to grow the seed. And I was funny because I was like studying on this this week and I was like eating an apple. And you ever bit too far and got to the core on accident because you were just like enjoying that apple too much? And, uh, and it was funny because I, <laughs> I had like bit into it in the core and it popped open and I forgot that the inside looked like a star. Anybody remember that when you were a kid? You cut it in half like, that was so cool. And uh, I forgot that was in there. And so I had a moment with that. And, uh, and it was funny because evidently one of the seeds, the, the brown covering was an apple. So like the, one of the things, it had actually had opened and the seed was coming out and there was actually like a little root coming off of it. And I was like, I'm glad I didn't grow that inside. You know, like that's scary. But, uh, but I'm looking at this seed though. And, and I was and of course, cause I'm like studying this and reading it and it just, and the Lord just, again, he spoke it to my heart and he said, Joel, your responsibility would be to take this thing, go put it in soil. He's like, I'm the one that breaks open the shell in its season. I'm the one that causes the initial root to go down. Uh, I'm the one that, that, uh, that has put it within this seed. I, I've actually set what it is supposed to do, and it will do exactly what I said every single time. He says, it's not going to produce oranges, but it will produce apples if you plant it in the right spot, water it. And, uh, and, and the thing is, is what he was showing me was that the care that we often have in our lives today to try to make the thing come to pass, whatever it is that we're looking for, to try to make the miracle happen, to try to make the breakthrough happen. And it was just so funny because he's like, Joel, do you understand how foolish that looks to me? And I'm like, I'm like all this while I'm staring at his seat. And he was like, I have designed that on its own to produce what I said for it to produce. You plant it, it'll do it. I'm still staring at it. And he goes, and it may not look like much today. He's like, it may just look like this you know, little tiny thing. It seems insignificant, but it will do exactly what I want it to do. 
and it will do it every single time that it's planted in the right place. I just sat there and I was just like, man, God, you are too good. And, uh, and it was just, that was just the recurring theme in my heart as I prepped this week that he was just like, it was weird because it was almost like a father just trying to be like, dude, just stop. Stop striving. Stop trying to do it on your own. Like, stop trying to be God. And we've been talking a lot about the kingdom, right? And, um, oh, that's what that is. Sorry, give me a sec. Here we go. I keep hearing the scratch. It's going to drive me cray cray. Um, but the Lord just kept telling me, he said, stop striving. He's like, stop trying to make things happen on your own. And it came back to the kingdom message where he's going, when you're striving, it's because you're seated on the throne. And the reason you're striving is because you have no power. He's like, but if you'll let me sit on the throne, I have the power. I have the authority. He's like, and I can make anything change. I can make anything grow. He's like, I can do anything. He's like, supernatural is my normal. Have you thought about that? Like, I was thinking, oh, God, do the supernatural. Like, he's just supernatural. Like, that's his normal. You and I are natural. He is supernatural. He spoke and created everything you know. <laughs> like, he could take a seed and an egg from a man and a woman and create you. That's crazy. That it starts from a cell, and then it divides, and it divides, and it grows, and it multiplies, and it grows. And the next thing you know, there's a heart, and then there's some little nubbins. Right? You take all the pictures, right? I look pregnant, but I ain't never going to give birth. That's a problem. Right? I was thinking of all the like, maternity shoots, you know, when they like take the photos. They're like, four weeks, <laughs> two months. And all the guys were just in the background like, Mwah! and they're like, you're never going to give birth. Um, it's whatever. But the thing is, is it just simply grows over time because God is the one who will cause it to grow. Amen? So the seed has life in itself. Man can't do anything to make it grow. And here's the thing, nor does man dig it up daily to see if it's growing. If you go to a farmer, they would call you crazy if you're out there digging it up every single day trying to figure out whether it's going to grow. If you're out trying to figure out in your life all those moments, you know what that's called? It's called doubt and unbelief. If you're trusting God, can I just encourage you? Trust God. Stop going back every other day to try to figure out if it's working or not. Just trust him that he's doing the work. Amen? It matters so much. And so again, he just simply sows the seed and he trusts that the seed sown to God is going to grow. And this is what's interesting too, is that growth happens secretly, silently, and mysteriously because of the life that is placed in the seed by God himself. And eventually we get to see the outward fruit of it. First the blade, then the ear, it says then the full corn in the ear. It says, and the result of the harvest, the result of of the growth is a fruitful harvest. And so we have to realize that in our lives, as things are growing, as we're maturing in Christ, as the seed of the word of God gets down into our heart and, 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 and he just, he speaks to us and we learn to be obedient to what he says. When we do that, what it does is it begins to put those roots down, right? The kingdom root, kingdom lifestyle of what it looks like to serve Jesus well, to honor him with our life, to learn how to worship, to learn how to pray, to learn how to be consistent in the word, uh, to be able to pray for for others, right? To encourage one another, uh, to begin to, to serve, right? To be able to give uh, to the kingdom of God. When we begin to learn these things, it's all those little roots that are going down. And then what's amazing is that at a point that you don't determine, all of a sudden, something begins to break the surface. And, and as it begins to break the surface, like we ought to get excited at that moment, right? Because there's life. But yet the thing is, is all the while that seed has been growing, producing life. It just hadn't broke the surface yet. And so often what I see is that Christians will abort what God is doing through doubt and unbelief before the thing ever breaks the surface. 
Can I encourage you today? Don't abort what God is doing in your life. If God has asked you to do something, if he's asked you to be consistent, um, if he is correcting you on something, whatever it is, can you just stick to it? Just keep pressing on with it. Keep listening to what he says. Keep being obedient. Keep pressing into whatever God has for you as you study out the word. Because again, your life and your situation is unique. And so whatever he is speaking to you in that moment, uh, I find it intriguing. So here's like a, a glimpse behind the veil for me. Like I love worshiping, right? I mean, uh, we had some transition here a little while back, stepped in again to help with worship. And, and about three weeks ago, like while we were in worship on a Sunday morning, like lead, I was actually leading the song. The Lord told me, he said, 18 months ago, I told you to get off the platform to make room for others. <laughs> I'm like singing the song and I was like, yeah, yeah, you did. He goes, and why are you on the platform right now? And I was like, I don't know. And so what I do, I led worship the next week. And, um, <laughs> but that time I had a conversation. I told my brother who's been helping right now, I said, hey, Pastor Josh, I said, um, I was like, I felt like the Lord told me, like, he reminded me, I need to get off the platform because we need to make room. And the reason why is because there are people in this room that are not using their gifts to worship the Lord and you need to. And he says, if you're up there in the way, they won't do it. Get out of the way. And so I waited the next week, right? And um, this morning, I was up here again. I'm a little slow to the party sometimes. Anybody else like that? <laughs> Whatever. It just happens. And so I was up here again this morning for worship, and we were having an issue with one of our microphones. Of course, we had a full worship team today. And, uh, and it was funny because my microphone was fine. I knew the battery was charged. And, uh, and all of a sudden, the mic just went dead. And I was like, well, that's strange. So I took the battery back there, and I went to change it out. And, uh, and uh, that battery back there, it had like three of the four bars, so that means more than enough to run the microphone. And, uh, and so I pulled it off the charger, I stuck it in there, and the microphone wouldn't even turn on. And as soon as I went to kick it back on, he said, did I tell you to get off the platform? He's like, get off. So I was like, unscrew the thing, put it back on the charger. That's why the microphone's just sitting over there today, and nobody used it, because in that moment, again, the, the, again, that moment for me, that's the Lord speaking into my life. It doesn't mean that I'm like greatly in sin or something, but it's just one of those things where he's just saying, listen, I've asked you to do some things. I need you to do it. And our responsibility is, is simply to learn to yield to the word of God. I share that with you because I want you to know you're normal. All of us at times are resistant to the Lord when we shouldn't be. <laughs> But here's the thing is, is if we just we simply have to learn to be, uh, to have a response to him, the desire of my heart is to live out a resounding yes to the Lord with whatever it is. Whatever he asks for my life, I want the answer to be yes. And, uh, and sometimes that's easier said than done. Because like for me, when it comes to worship, like I am a worshiper. It's not just songs that we sing on a Sunday morning. Like it's an opportunity to praise the one who saved me. It's an opportunity to worship the one that has, uh, that has redeemed my life. He has changed me. He's, a, he's given us wisdom. He's, he's done all these different things. And it's just an opportunity for me to declare his faithfulness and his goodness to others. And I just, I love it. Like, I love to worship. But his assignment was move. And so we have a choice in those moments to, uh, to be obedient to what he asks us to do or to live for ourselves and jump back on the throne. Does that make sense? I'm trying to give you like a kingdom picture. See, I can choose to be the one to get back on the throne and say, Lord, you've gifted me in worship, so I'm going to stay up here. And yet his instruction is, is hey, I just simply need you to move to make room. And I have, a, I have a responsibility in that moment. Am I going to yield or am I going to stay on the throne? 
And so this morning I laughed. I was just like, hey, I've got a microphone you can use. And like, we just changed it out and gave the microphone and I took off my stuff and, and, um, and just, just stepped off the platform. And worship was great. Uh, man, I'm so thankful for our worship team. And it was rich this morning, just in the presence of the Lord. And uh, come on, that's right. Give him a hand. Give honor to whom honor is due. It was really good. But again, within all of these things, it's, it, it's the, the kingdom of God, the seed. It's first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn. There is a process in life to being able to grow to mature so that kingdom fruit can be the result. God wants fruit in our lives. So here's the thing, is the application of this parable, I, I wrote down four things, and it's this. I'm going to go through these kind of quickly. Number one is that there will be no growth or harvest without the word. If you want to be a kingdom person, I'm telling you right now, if you are apart from the word, there will not be growth and maturing in your life. If you don't read, if you're not studying consistently, you're not going to grow. There may be enough to, to know about Jesus, but you don't know him. And the only way to know him is to get into his word, to find out what he says, because we all have a responsibility to sow. And so that happens personally, but also outside of that to the world, we have a responsibility to sow the word. And naturally, of course, you would expect ministers to sow the word, but the reality of it is, is every believer is to sow it as well. First into themselves and secondly into those around them. So without, there's going to be no growth or harvest without the word of God. Second is that the potency and potential of the seed is not determined by man. And the application of this parable, it is determined by God. What is possible is determined by him. Amen? Where it's possible is determined by you. See, what is possible, God has put the life in the seed. God has put the potential in the seed. So what is possible is up to him. Where it's possible is up to you. Can the soil receive it? Amen? So, listen, it's determined by God. Listen, prior experiences cannot override the power of the seed, but they, uh, nor can they stop or impede the growth of the seed if it's planted in good soil. Luke one thirty seven says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. So, listen, don't allow a prior experience. Don't allow something you've walked through to determine what the seed can do today. Because, again, those things can't override the seed, but it can cause your heart to be hard. Does that make sense this morning? What you've been through in life, listen, we've all gone through some junk. We've all gone through some mess, right? There are things, there are traumas that people have experienced. There are people I've talked to this week that are going through very heavy things in their life right now. But even though we're going through heavy things, even though we're seeing the fallen nature of the world, it does not change God's word. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The potency and the potential of his word never changes. Amen? The only thing that can change is us. And so it's important for us to be able to make sure that the seed and the soil, the seed is going into a soil that can take it. The third thing, the Lord talked to me about this one. We are not in control. <laughs> the man sleeps by night and rises by day and does not know how the seed grows. First Corinthians chapter three, verse seven. So says, uh, so then neither he who plants is anything or he who waters, but God who gives the increase. And I was thinking about that particular passage of scripture, and that's dealing with the gospel. He says that one man sows another waters, but the Lord brings the increase. And that really is how it works. Uh, we may sow the word into you. You may sow the word into others. And, and somebody comes along and waters it by encouraging them. But at the end of the day, it's the Lord and the Lord alone that actually brings the increase in someone's life. 
We are not in control of it. We can't force somebody to grow. We can't make them grow. All we can do is be faithful with what Jesus has given to us to speak, to encourage. Like yesterday, I was getting my hair cut, and, uh, and she did a good job. And, uh, and so while I'm getting my hair cut, like I don't remember like how we got onto the subject. I think she asked how the church was going because I'm in there enough and talked to him. And she said, hey, how's the church going? I said, you know what? It's good. I said, it's crazy busy, but it's good. And uh, one of the guys that used to go here that just took the kids' past position at Christ Church, his name is Sean. He was in there getting his hair cut. And, uh, and so he had, he's just starting over there, I think, this coming, uh, this coming Wednesday. And, uh, and I was like, hey, man, welcome to the other side. And he just kind of grinned. And, and it actually opened up the door for me to talk with her. Dude, I, we laid out the whole kingdom message yesterday in about 20 minutes. I'm like, she's like shampooing my hair afterwards because I had to go to Walmart. I didn't want hair all up in my hat. And we're like talking about the kingdom of God and what holiness and righteousness actually looks like. And like, it was like, it was, it was a really cool thing. We explained the kingdom and she says, man, that makes sense. She's like, cause my mom's side was Catholic and my dad's side was like the holiness where you have to wear like no makeup. You can't cut your hair and you got like no pants and stuff. And she's like, I didn't understand. And so we just laid out the kingdom message and it was awesome. I mean, by the end of it, I, mean, I didn't like pray with her to receive Jesus in that moment, but she was just like, thank you. That was like really helpful. And she, the crazy part was, like, this last week, she was actually asking the Lord about those things. She was like, I was confused. And I'm like, well, that's cool. And so the thing is, is when it's in you, you're able just simply to sow it into others. And so we're going to have to live a life of faith in God, trusting that he will do what he said he would do. Because kingdom seed does not grow by your works. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. As with natural seed, we sow it, we water it, and it grows, but we do not make it grow. It grows because that's what it was created to do disciplines and consistency will only go so far if they are not infused with the power of the Holy Spirit. Right now in America, it's super cool to see with a lot of people uh, of just uh, a lot of people taking back their health and doing things and they're learning how to be disciplined and consistent. Those things are great. But if they are not infused with the power of the Holy Spirit, they will always be limited because there's only so much you can do in the flesh. Amen. The fourth and final on, on, on this one is that growth that produces fruit takes time. I want to remind you that there is a process to growth, right? We saw it first, the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. And so without the, without the process, we can't become established in the kingdom, and we will ultimately lack fruit. This is John chapter 15, verse 4 and 5, where he says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. He says, Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So this scripture, is, again, is talking about us staying connected to the vine and just simply by our consistent interaction with the Lord and us seeking his face, we will produce a kingdom fruit. It is not something you have to do on your own. It is something that will be a byproduct of your relationship with him if you're faithful and consistent in serving him. Amen? Amen. So the, the reality of all of these things is that the kingdom of God stands in direct contrast to the culture of our time. So I'm talking to you about the kingdom seed growing takes time. It stands in direct contrast to what's happening in our society and in the world today. Everything in our society is all about speed and efficiency, quicker technology, fast food, instant information, and so on. And it's not that there's anything wrong with those things, but the process of slow growth is vital to the spiritual health of a believer. In the physical body, fast growth is usually cancerous. Slow growth is healthy growth. 
in, in this because the kingdom of God is not about quickly gathering head knowledge to share information with others. It's about the transformation of the heart and mind uh, because without it, we're going to have little effect on others. Head knowledge speaks to head. Heart knowledge reveals heart. And so in order to have a true impact on somebody else, people aren't always going to remember what you've said to them, but they're going to remember how the Jesus in you made them feel. And there's something about when you are a person who has been with the Lord, if you actually go and read in the book of Acts, there was a part with, I think it's Peter, either Peter and John or Peter and James, and they, uh, they go into the temple, uh, the dude gets healed, and after they're in there, they're being questioned by the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And while they're in there, uh, G- uh, Peter gives this response of, you know, like, I don't know whether, like, whether we should listen to you or listen to God, I'll leave that up to you. But this is what we've seen and heard, and this is what we're declaring to you. And what I love at the end of it is it said that they, they, they were marvelous because they were uneducated, untrained men. And it said, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So these other ones from the age of 13 had been growing and had been taught by the teachers of the law. And they had all this religious background. These other guys were fishermen, untrained and unskilled in what these other guys knew. And yet the reality of it was, is these guys said, these guys have been with Jesus. There was something about your life. When you spend time with him, you won't have to try to be a Christian. You'll just be one. It'll just be an overflow of your time spent with him. You don't have to muster up the courage to pray. You just pray because that's what we do. Like you don't have to try to encourage me to worship. I just worship in every moment because that's who I am. It's not songs I sing. It's a lifestyle that I live. Amen. You're not going to have to push me to, to read the word. I want to be with him. I want to hear his voice. I want him to speak to me. I want him to address those things in my heart that aren't pleasing to him. I want all of those things. Why? Because I want to be in the family. Amen? And I don't know about you, like, how many of y'all want your life to matter for Jesus? I mean, I ought to be every single one of us. Like, we want our life to matter for him. And if that's the case, then we just simply need to be with him, as it talks about in John chapter 15. Because if we're with him, I'm telling you, your light will shine. You won't have to prove anything. Your life will just simply declare it because of who you're with. Because once the greater one is on the inside of you, you can't help but let him out. Amen? When God is speaking to you and he's encouraging you and he's equipping you and he's giving you fresh revelation, you're just going to see opportunities. You don't even have to try to do ministry. Ministry will find you. It's one of the most beautiful things that so often we're trying to learn how to do all the right things and give me the 12 phrases I'm supposed to say. Listen, it's evangelism is not just about being able to say the right things to get somebody to pray a prayer to accept Jesus. It's about revealing the very nature of the kingdom of God by your life, by your actions, by the word of God, and you're just giving witness. It's Acts chapter 2. You now become a witness of the goodness of God. Your testimony, you're like, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Look, I once was a hellion. I did all kinds of stupid things, but God has changed my life. Those moments are powerful, especially for the ones that knew you. Like when I see people from high school back in the day, my God, they look at me and they're like, you're a what? I'm like, I'm a minister of the gospel. They're like, no. (laughs) Right? People from college and they're thinking, there is no way. Why? Because I was good at what I did. Dude. We made up cuss words. Like, it's crazy. One of my roommates in college, especially, like, we just made up stuff. It was like whole phrases. It was like crazy. And we went to the parties. We went to the bars. We chased the girls. We did all the things that they told us we were supposed to do. And then God changes your life, man. You get into the word. And there was actually a season where the Lord told me, he says, I don't want you to watch any TV. And it was like eight months, any time in the evening, if I had spare time, I was reading the word. And during that time, I lost every friend that I had. 
It was lonely. I didn't go to parties no more. I had no place to go hang out. But for eight months, I was just in my room alone with the Lord taking notes. I still have those notebooks. I go back and read them from time to time. I laugh because sometimes I have no idea what I was writing. But there are other times when I look and I see where the seed of God's word was being planted. And now here we are 20 years later, and a lot has changed. But the thing is, is had I not been obedient to go sit in my room in college to read the word for eight months instead of watching TV, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at today. When I worked at NASA, and it was a hidden season, and it was a union position. Listen, I, I could not, I tried to like, like mop the warehouse one time because I was so bored out of my mind. Because I was efficient at my job. I was, I was over, over logistics for a site of 2,400 people. I had mail routes that I did and whatever else. And I was so efficient at what I did that like, I would have like gaps of like three hours before my next route. And I'm like, I was so bored one day, I went to like, you know, mop the, mop the warehouse, like a huge logistics warehouse. I probably had never seen a mop in like 60 years. And because I wanted to do something. And I remember somebody filed a grievance on me uh, with the union, like because I was taking work. I said, you will never touch a mop all of your life. I have not taken work away from you. And it forced me back into my office. And it was about, that was almost a four-year period that I spent in my office where every single day from three to six hours because of efficiency in my work, I was reading the word of God because there was nothing else I could do. My office was a restricted area because the potential of getting classified mail because it was a NASA facility. And I just sat there and I read the word and I read the word. And some days, man, the word would stir me up. And because I had my own office and it was like enclosing the building, I'd crank up worship, man, I would, I would sing and I would cry. I would like lay on my face, like in my office at NASA. And I'm sure people walking by my door thought I was nuts. But the coolest thing is, is during that time, without me trying to, a bunch of people, they'd be like, hey, preacher, what's going on? I wasn't even in ministry yet. But my life began to change and look very different. And it was those hidden seasons where I continued to water with worship and the word and prayer, just spending time with him, having the word going into my ears. Of course, back then we had many disc players. We didn't have like iPods and iPods weren't even out yet. So it's, it's been a while. Um, <laughs> that was back in the day. Uh, and and literally I, just, I would have messages on the love of God. I listened to those things so many times I could almost quote them to you verbatim while they were playing. And, and just the constant, the word of God was just going into my heart, going into my ears, going into my heart, going into my ears. He would convict me. Hey, pray for this person. Do this, do that. Lay hands on them. And people were getting healed. People were getting set free, started leading people to the Lord. And it was simply because of the amount of time spent just in the word. And, and the thing is, but it was a hidden season. And I want you to understand that today. Just because you may feel hidden. I heard a message from Pastor Mike and Todd, Michael Todd, and uh, he said, uh, he said, you're planted, not buried. Man, I heard that. I was like, oh, that's so good. In our lives, sometimes we feel buried. We're not. You're just planted by the Lord. Stay planted. Don't be afraid of the dark. Just let him move and work in your life. Amen? Amen. I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do this. i got four minutes. It's going to be great. <laughs> Parable of the mustard seed. No, nah, I don't have that much left. We're going to be good. But the parable of the mustard seed. So the, the first part I talked to you about, the four main things, is there's going to be no growth or harvest without the word. The potency and potential of the seed is not determined by man. We are not in control. And growth that is going to produce fruit takes time. Right? So when we look at the kingdom seed, the, 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 the parable of the mustard seed, uh, I want you to see something in this, that kingdom seed always creates provision greater than expected. 
Now, when it comes to the nature of the kingdom of God, uh, I read it to you a second ago. I'll read it to you again. It says, then he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it was sown on the ground, is smaller than all the seeds on the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs, shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. You see, in this particular uh, thing, the stuff that I find that's interesting is, of course, Jesus is revealing the potential of kingdom seed. That's the most important thing about the parable of the mustard seed. He, He makes sure to point to the fact of how small the seed is. And so he is, he's talking about the kingdom potential uh, of the seed. Again, someone has to sow the seed, but Jesus focuses on the extensive growth coming from something small, basically going from a small seed to a tree. And, uh, and, and he also highlights that the birds of the air may rest under its shade. Now, when we look at this, I mentioned to you before that when you see things in the parables like birds, often these things are, are talking about uh, as a reference to people. They say like the trees of the, of the field clap their hands. That's talking about people. It's not talking about trees clapping. It's not like Chronicles of Narnia stuff. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but again, it's, so it's, it's a reference to people. And what he is saying is the potential of kingdom seed when it is sown, which is the first application, the initial implication is the seed that has been sown on good soil, without it there's no harvest. But the potential of that seed it reveals the fact that little is much in the kingdom of God. You know, if you've ever seen a mustard seed, like they're pretty small. It's not the smallest seed in the earth, but, but it is pretty small. And the fact that as an herb, it literally grows into a tree. Uh, I was looking up, I was researching on this because I was curious. Uh, and it actually grows so much that like it says that birds of the air can nest under its shade. So a must, the mustard tree can actually reach an average height of 20 feet with branches close to the ground. Its width can also grow as much as its height. So not only can it be 20 feet high uh, and, and 20 feet wide, uh, it says some mustard trees only grow up to 6 feet, while some can also reach up to 30, depending on where it's planted. And so what's intriguing about that, it depends on the variety and the condition. And so the illustration of the mustard seed in all of this reveals the truth about the kingdom of God. And this is what Jesus is conveying. First, we plant the seed. We don't really know how it grows, but he's trying to get us to understand that there was great potential in the seed of the kingdom of God. And that little is much when it comes to the kingdom. What you sow may seem insignificant. The conversation that you have with somebody about Christ, it may seem insignificant, but that conversation may be the seed that changes their entire family. Amen? That conversation may be the the, the beginning point of the seed that was sown, that they surrender their lives to Jesus. And can I tell you, for that person, it matters. And so in all of this, what's beautiful is that something small produces seemingly unnatural or abnormal growth and development, right? A mustard seed growing from this tiny seed to something that could potentially be up to 30 feet. It's huge. And what the thing is, what I love about the kingdom is that the growth that we experience is never intended to be just for us. When he's mentioning that it grows to such a degree that it says that the birds of the air are able to come and to rest in its branches, what what God is trying to get us to understand is that the kingdom seed that is in you, if you will sow it, he has actually destined you and destined me to be able to grow and mature in the kingdom of God to such a degree that your life now produces refuge for somebody else. Because you have to realize the kingdom of God is not about you. It's about him, and he wants to use you and flow through you. And this is what I love. When you lose your life for his sake, you'll find it. 
But your life is not just about you. It's not just about what you need. God knows those things. He'll give it to you. He'll provide for you. But at the end of the day, your life, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, they're intended to be used for others. But if you don't sow the seed, there's no growth that's ever going to come. And I'm going to shoot straight with you. I firmly believe there is going to come a day when we will stand before the Lord. And we are going to give an account for our life. And he's going to ask you the question, what did you do with what I gave you? We're going to talk about the parable of the talents in a different week. But what has the Lord given you? Do you have the gift of encouragement? Do you have a generous heart? Are you one that knows how to pray? Just simply to serve, whatever. What is he placed in your hands? What are you doing with it? Because if you don't sow, there may be somebody who will never know Jesus. If we don't break out of the American mentality that it's all about me, we're going to stifle the kingdom of God and what he wants to do. How many souls will step into eternity because we chose not to say anything? How many souls will step into eternity apart from him because we chose not to do anything? How many souls will step into eternity because I chose not to send a missionary financially? How many souls will step into eternity without him because I had to sit and rule and reign? At some point, we have to make that shift and get off the throne. At some point, we have to say, Jesus, if there's any part of my life that you can use, it's yours. And you just simply open up your heart and say, you know what? I'm yours. Whatever you want. Amen? And I know that these messages, they may be hard to hear, but I believe that they are vital for the hour in which we live. If you'll read the things that are happening in the earth, listen, I don't know how long we have left on the earth. <laughs> Who knows when that trumpet is going to sound? There's a whole lot of things that are lining up for that thing to sound. Amen? And it's so important for us to learn how to engage, to be changed, transformed, to produce fruit. Because the fruit of your life may be the very key that leads somebody else into the gospel. Thank you for listening to the Waymaker Podcast. To simply connect, or if this message ministered to you and you would like to support the ministry, you can simply go to waymakerchurch.org.